You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about the impact of touch in counseling and supervision. This week, we read The Emotional and Psychological Importance of Human Touch, published in Psychology Today 2021. Heather, one of the first points in the article is that touch is a very basic need. Right. And you and I started out talking about this with each other and went, okay, everybody's heard adoption or orphanages in third world countries, babies deteriorate and and don't do as well or have failure to thrive concerns. But what are some other examples of the impact of touch? It's a need. Right. It's a need. I learned during COVID that even though I would have never identified before, I'm apparently a hugger. (laughs) And I didn't know that I was a hugger. But I was a hugger with a very maybe select group of people. Like, I didn't think Uh I hugged everybody. But I remember like figuring out like, oh, I'm a hugger. Hmm, that's interesting. But, yeah, who knew? Yeah. Do you think other people that knew you already knew you as a hugger? So I tested that out and they're like, you're totally a hugger. You always <laughs> hug me. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, do you not like it? Like, I felt like I all of a sudden had this like, yeah. do I need to check in with you? Like, do I need yeah. to be asking for a hug? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I haven't worked in this setting in a long time, but when I worked in places where maybe like schools or right. Head Start or something like that. There was a classroom of kids and they knew me, but I wasn't with them all the time. I would come into the classroom and there would just be this little herd of right. kids that come mm-hmm. to the door and want to hug on your legs that I always, and they wanted it and they wanted to be touched and, and right. close, but I always told them, I would stop them before they got that mm-hmm. close and say, I love hugs. But I really, really love when someone asks for a hug first. Right. And they would get kind of like oh, a little bit embarrassed right. maybe and go like, oh, can I have a hug? Oh, yes. Yes, right. yes, Absolutely. yes, yes, right. yes. But I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. I was kind of modeling that they can say no. Right. To a hug. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give in. I'm sure you've seen some of the videos and one of my kiddos teachers last year, middle of COVID, changed hers up a little bit. But she is always, she's known at our school for having that little sign that says how you're going to be greeted today. Is it a high five? Mm, Is it a, mm -hmm. well, she had switched hers up, obviously not to include hugging (laughs) because they weren't really supposed to, but she came to one of their sporting events and it's like they weren't at school and the kids instantly like just swamped her. Like Mm -hmm. you're here and you're at my game and you're, I mean, it's like they didn't even remember that we're not supposed to be hugging or we're not yeah. supposed to be touching because they were so excited she was in their social world, not uh-huh. teaching. Yeah. I don't think I'm a hugger, but I think it's brought it, COVID has brought that out of me more. Right. That when I do see people in person, mm-hmm. I do, I think I'm quicker or want a hug right. more quickly, especially good, good friends that I just haven't gotten to see as much right. this year. Right. Okay, Heather, what about the idea that lack of touch has a really big impact on us? And the article focused on that it has a really big impact on our mental health. Right. I think so when we do have touch, it conveys such a deeper connection, right? It it means like I care about you. I'm listening to you. It gives you all these messages 
And a lot of them are not cognitions that we have. They're like undertones, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, you're here and you're listening to me because you touched my arm or mm-hmm. um, those type things. But when we don't have that and we go for months and months and months, especially people that lived alone during all of that time, we don't get any of that. So you're not getting any mm-hmm. feedback that like, oh, I like you. You're mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. You're not getting that at the physical level. You might be mm-hmm. hearing it from your friends or seeing them on FaceTime, but there's a very big difference between seeing a friend yeah. on FaceTime. and. I think, what, I, I don't know about you. I was saying this to a group of supervisees last week, I think that I definitely don't like the virtual, but I've gotten used to it. And I started out thinking you cannot have a good connection virtually, Mm. but I think I'm changing my mind or I am changing my mind that you can. It feels different, but certainly people who aren't technology natives, who didn't grow up in a world where technology existed Mm -hmm. or was easily available, I think it feels even more disconnecting. I don't know if I told you this. I had all these play therapy clients that I used a virtual playroom with. Oh, yes. I saw your virtual yeah. playroom. Yeah. Um, that had all the fun links and it did look like, I, your office. I, I, like yeah. my office, right? It, I had a little cartoon mm-hmm. character that looks like me and it had my couch and a couple of other things right. that were very clearly items that are actually in my office. One item I had, but had never actually been in my office was a dollhouse. Ah. And I've now had a few kids come back to the office and they walked in, and I've made a lot of changes. My office moved, things changed. They walked in and they said, oh, there's my favorite dollhouse. <laughs> they had never the, actually right. seen it in real life. And right. they didn't know. I mm-hmm. went, no, you've never played with that. And they're like, and yes, they're like, I yes, did. Right. Yeah, right. I, I did. They really right. were confused. So I think for some people who are more comfortable with technology, the lot, that line blurs a mm-hmm. little bit maybe. But right. you're saying it's not ever really as good as right. the real deal. Right. It's never as good as. I used to do a lot of training for volunteers that worked in a program for kids. And one of the things that we always talked about was obviously with kids, what's okay, what's not okay. But one of the things we would always talk about with listening is when you're dealing with a kid that's like really having a hard time or like the best thing you can do is like hold their hand because so, they're going to look mm-hmm. at you. So they're going to turn and look oh, at you if yeah. you like touch them. And granted today we're talking about a lot more things that are for counseling and for supervision, but I've never played that out in supervision. Like I've never been like, hey. (laughs) So I think I've talked before on the podcast about using massage or infant massage with families. Mm -hmm. And I can't, if I have described this, it's been a long time ago. So I'll tell the story again. I had um, a small for her age and probably a little bit emotionally immature for her age, three-year-old. Okay. So she was real, a young client for me and also developmentally and right and, and then, she, yeah, yeah yeah and both her parents were involved because she was so young but one week her and she was really dysregulated mm-hmm. and one week her dad brought her and I asked him to join us and he was a very tall big man right and he would say things to the effect of like he was he didn't he was afraid to get involved or or be very hands on with his daughter because he thought he was so big he would hurt her oh okay and so he would try to play and try to do things with her, but he always just thought, I'm probably going to hurt her. Mm -hmm. So to help him help her regulate, I had him sit on a love seat and she was just all over the room Mm -hmm. playing and moving really fast. And I said, ask her to come sit next to you. And she did. She kind of like was moving slow to go sit next to him. And then I had a doll and I showed him using the doll's hand how to do a little tiny bit of massage therapy mm-hmm. or uh, infant massage on her hand. Right. And so then dad, he had a little bit of lotion and he put the little bit of lotion on her, his daughter's hand and he did a little bit of infant mm-hmm. massage. 
seconds, she was totally still, right? quiet, mm-hmm. regulated, mm-hmm. breathing, just like really restful breaths. Right. And his eye, dad turned and looked at me and his mm-hmm. eyes were really big, like, oh my goodness. Right. What How did, did that work? Uh, right. What just happened here? <laughs> and it was so fun. She was just so calm and his little, her little arm was just limp and mm-hmm. relaxed. And he finished what I was showing him. And so he stopped for maybe just a second and she plopped her other hand in his <laughs> like, lap. Wait, I got one more for you. <laughs> Here, I'm ready. And so he, and again, he looked at me like, oh, right. and he did that one. And mm-hmm. it was such a big, dramatic impact that that kind of touch did so much for her mental health, right? for her self-regulation. And the reason I'd use it with families is because it did so much for their relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm trying to think of times where I've done, I I think I do this a little bit more with clients than I do with supervisees, Mm -hmm. but I can think of lots of times where I think it makes sense or is appropriate for a a counseling session. Mm -hmm. But I think in even just, like you said, holding somebody's hand, but even putting your hand on top of somebody else's has a calming effect or I I said regulating before Mm -hmm. could be a, have a regulating effect. Absolutely. Okay. Our third point, I called it getting touchy. Yes. My favorite. Can we start with counseling? And can you think of a time where you incorporate touch intentionally or situations where you found that touch was an important part of what you were doing? I think a lot of times I will direct, especially if it's a child client or a teenage client, even sometimes to like, okay, well, where are you feeling it in your body? We start out with talking, maybe Mm -hmm. where you're feeling tension or where you're feeling whatever. Mm -hmm. And from that, doing some directed like either play with something that they're going to squish or, you know, uh-huh. play with, but also making it something they can do on their own, whether it's like massaging their hands or finding pressure points or mm-hmm. you're, you, when you have anxiety, have tummy troubles. So what can we do that will help that? Like really focusing on where they're feeling emotions in their body and then kind of redirecting that energy to like, what mm. remedies that? Like, okay. what is the remedy? So you're using that, like, mm, that sounds funny. Go ahead. You're getting them to touch themselves. <laughs> yes. That's what <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of DBT right. involved in that, mm-hmm. like holding ice in your hands, right. something like that. Even like giving your giving, hugging yourself, like mm-hmm. squeezing right. can sometimes squeezing. have a, um, a positive benefit. Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of like extra energy, especially for mm-hmm. some of my younger clients. So it's like, okay, well, we're not going to get anywhere till we get some of this energy out. And mm-hmm. when they're sitting there, so now it's now the teacher in the classroom has told you we have to sit down. So what can you do while you're sitting in a chair? that can still be an appropriate measure. It might be squeezing your palms together. It might be, you know, wiggling your toes inside your shoes. Like I had a client, it's been before COVID, I think, where her mom was a occupational therapist Mm. and she was a kindergartner. Okay. About kindergarten. Right. And first grader kindergarten. And in school, they talked about your five senses Mm -hmm. and her little hand. This is mom. What mom said, the teacher told her that this little girl's hand shoots up and she goes, there's not there are more than five senses. (laughs) And that the teacher and this kid Mm -hmm. get into this discussion and the kid's like, no, I'm right. My mom's an occupational right. therapist. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and that she rattled them off and proprioception uh-huh. and you know, but this right. is what we're talking about, right? right? The benefits of not just acknowledging but using proprioception to help someone right. feel calm, mm-hmm. feel regulated, cope more right. effectively. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but one of my jobs at some point along the way, I worked for a program that provided one-on-one behavioral support. Mm -hmm. Now, a little boy that was on the spectrum, pretty severely, no language, but about nine years old. And the first time I was at his school, one of his first, literally had to just shadow him like Mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. And one of the 
days that my second or third day there, they're like, oh, today is going to be so much better for you. And I was like, okay. He has OT at the first of the day. He's going to be like the best kid ever. And I was like, oh, okay. So we go, we go to this room. And it's like my first experience with OT. I mean, like Uh at all. And I was like, this is amazing. This isn't a school. This is great. And so I go in. He does all of his stuff. I follow. He needs no support during this time whatsoever. And he's excited to be there. You can tell by the smile on his face. Just great things happening. We go back to class. He was almost verbal in class, at least making sound out sounds. Yeah. He was focused all day. So I write up my report at the end of the day about what you know yeah, I saw today and was like, why is this kid not starting with OT every day? <laughs> like, I don't even think he'd need as many hours of support if we could just put this into his morning, right. like every morning. Or mom and dad, just right. go hire someone for an hour. Right. Like, just do this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, so I was going to mention that in in play therapy, but I think any training providing counseling to kids, there are some schools of thought or some schools of thought that completely and totally avoid touching. Yeah. Like they they feel really strongly about that this Mm -hmm. isn't good or that it could be inappropriate or it could be misused. And so then they just don't do it. Right. But in my play therapy training, not even early on which I think is sad. Mm-hmm. Probably I maybe was even already credentialed as a play therapist and saw a training by a woman where she started out. I, I remember actually the training and the way she presented it, I thought, oh no, we're going to see something really horrible. Right, this is about to be bad. <laughs> she was presenting in person, but she had a video of her with a couple of clips of different mm-hmm. kids. And before she showed the first one, she said, she prefaced it with, some people are not going to like this. Some people are going to have a lot of questions or some people are going to think that this is really not appropriate. And she said, but in what I feel like is a safe age appropriate way, I do allow kids to touch me. Right. And she showed this video and she was sitting closer to the floor than a chair, Mm -hmm. like a cushion kind of thing. And this kid who was really active was just moving and doing. And her point was not even the touching. I don't think it was. I mean, she was showing like themes of what he was doing. Yeah. So he had like an airplane and a Mm -hmm. car and he was just doing things with, you know, the toys. But as they were playing, he put his arm on her. Mm -hmm. He leaned his head on her. Then he wanted something behind her. And he even started to like use her to climb on to get the thing that he wanted. And she did put a stop to that. And she like put, you know, in a really safe but reasonable way, put her hands on his shoulders Mm -hmm. and didn't, but just help, like stopped him. Right. So didn't push, didn't right, just put a lot of, but just. Here's a boundary. Right. right. That, oh, and she said, she explained why. She said, I'm worried that you'll get hurt mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that you stay safe. Right. So if there's something that you want up there, I think I could help you get it. But she did. So right. she allowed for a lot more touch than I had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And I thought, of course. Right. Of That'd course. Be normal. Right. This makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of wild that she had to preface it and apologize and make excuses for the video before she showed it when what she did was so natural and made so much sense for that situation in that kid. Right. And I think that's so important with each client. I had very early on in my internship, like the kind of intern, I mean, very in my practicum where you have like the double mirror Mm -hmm. because cameras weren't a thing. But I was walking one of my clients out and she had had a pretty good, like sad, but good session. And she like turned around and hugged me like as we're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. And I was, I remember being frozen. Like, do you hug back? Do you not hug back? I don't know what uh-huh, I'm supposed to do. Uh-huh. Oh, this client just touched me like on her own. 
but I mean, I learned very quickly, like I didn't initiate that hug. That yeah. was for the client's benefit. Normally mm. not going to happen. Yeah. So my question is, how many clients hug you goodbye? On a regular basis, I don't think any. Right. I have seen some. I can think of one right now that I've seen her a couple of times. I can tell it's crossing her mind. Like, I want, I want to give to you a hug, hug but, but that seems like I'm not supposed to do that. Right. There's a boundary I'm not um, supposed to cross. <laughs> I Maybe I've told this story, too. I was working in a school, and I had, I'd had i already had experience working with kids that were selectively mute, mm-hmm. but they had not ever spoken in school. Mm. And I had the two of them for a full semester, and I had to work really hard not to get my hopes set on hearing like him. Hearing talk, like that was the goal. <laughs> but in the time I knew him, he went from not speaking to anybody. And then he spoke with, I think he said like a few words to like the library aid. Mm-hmm. And then it was the boys in his class. Mm-hmm. And then it was the girls in right? his class. And, and then built upon it. Right. right. So every week it was a little bit more, a little bit more. And so by the time I was saying goodbye to him and his little buddy, mm-hmm. he was speaking to everybody. But he had never spoken to me. Ah, not, interesting. Not to or from, not right. during, and mm-hmm. not one single word, not even like a noise. Mm-hmm. So when we were leaving, I went, the day that we were wrapping right. up, I was walking them back to class. And in my head, I was thinking, this was so great. Don't get caught up in the fact that he didn't talk. This right. was so great. This helped both of them exactly the way they needed to be helped. Mm-hmm. And we re- we did reach our goal. The right. goal was not that he would talk to some lady who's going to be gone. Right. The goal was that he would talk to his teachers and right. his friends. And we did that. So I'm kind of giving myself a pep talk on the way back <laughs> to the classroom. But we get to the classroom and his one fr- the friend turns around, says something to me, high fives me, walks into class. Right. And he stops and he just stops and he's standing shoulder to shoulder, you know, next right. to me. And I can tell he doesn't. He wants to do something, but he doesn't know exactly what to mm-hmm. do. And he just saw his friend say something mm-hmm. to me, high five and walk off. Right. And so he's standing there. And he went, he like was fidgety and shuffled his feet a little bit. And I think he finally decided on what he was going to do. And he leaned on me uh-huh. and wrapped his arm around my leg. Okay. <laughs> and then did this like kind of a sigh uh-huh. and then let go of my leg and walked off. And I was like, oh, that was it. That was better. That was oh, my better. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was it. That was the right. be- So I do have some right. kids that, that would touch me, but not on a regular yeah. basis or very many. Right. What about supervisees? Are you touching your supervisees? I had to think about that. I, you know, I think I have comforted a supervisee before, like mm. a crying sensitive moment type thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I make a regular habit of it. But I think also, I think part of that comes in my mindset with like, it's professional, right? Like we're yeah. there providing a professional service. I can't think off the top of my head of many times that I've hugged a supervisee. Not that I necessarily wouldn't because clearly COVID taught me I was a hugger. <laughs> but but I, I mean, I just don't think, I think I have a different mindset maybe for supervision over, that, yeah. that might be a defining line for me. I think, okay, when I meet those, when I meet maybe potential or future supervisees, right. I always shake hands. Yes. Yes. I shake hands. Thanks for coming in. But then I don't think I, I can, would seem too formal or not natural for me to shake their hand now. Right. That I know <laughs> be them. weird. Right. But I do think that I have moments where I think I would want to, mm-hmm. maybe just as little as like a hand on their shoulder. Right. Or touch their hand. Or maybe when I've wrapped it, like really worked with someone the, their, their entire, entire length right. and then that we're saying goodbye or something. But I don't think I can't think of it. shaking hands when we meet and maybe a very rare occasion. 
like like you said, mm-hmm. and comforting in some way. Now that I've thought as you were talking more about it, I think I have hugged my associates when they're done. Yeah. Like at the end, uh-huh. wrapping up. I don't think I ever have. <laughs> I can I can remember somebody, one one supervisee that I really enjoyed, and she was having some major life stuff happening. And we met, and it was, maybe this made it different too. We met up to get some paperwork done. So it wasn't actually right, a, supervision, a supervision. Right. But we were still doing mm-hmm. supervision-like activities. Right. But, in, but when we met to get some of the paperwork signed, she was telling me that things were really not, that right. not going well. And I do remember I touched her arm mm-hmm. kind of in a, like a, okay, well, yeah. Like a mini hug, mm-hmm. like a little squeeze, but mm-hmm. not a full, right. both arms, but for the purpose of being compassionate right. or empathetic. Okay. How could we, or do we want to incorporate <laughs> more touch in supervision? Well, I'm not really sure, but I think when we're talking about it in supervision, it probably is going to be on my mind now. Like it's yeah. going to be more like, hmm, I mean... I love a great massage. I love a pedicure. I mean, all these things that like, I know I like, I uh-huh. think sometimes maybe even when we're talking about self-care, like yeah. I was thinking, I'm just going to mess with my supervisees and tell them, hug them now. Well, tell them, <laughs> okay, we're trying this new thing. Touch is important. So give me your hand. Right. How's and I'm, I'm just going to hold your hand for a while. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, crank week. Everyone go out, find your favorite supervisee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that would look like, but it makes sense that it it could happen or could be purposeful. You don't have to think about it. Pick their brains, too. Maybe ask them if they, like, basically have this conversation with them. Are they including any touch in their sessions? Are Mm -hmm. they worried about how it might be perceived or what's happening? And then what if that happened in supervision? Right. I have, I think comes to those kind of things. That's a good way to kind of broach that. I actually have a supervisee right now that uses a weighted blanket in her office. Mm-hmm. For herself or for clients? <laughs> I'm thinking it's for clients. <laughs> but I guess I could check in on that. But she has a few clients that are pretty high anxiety. And that seems yeah. to be helpful. Just put it across their lap during uh-huh. sessions. We'll be thinking about yeah. that. Touching <laughs> and what it means for counseling and how it might be included in supervision. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.